Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. And, and Vaughn, we were just talking to Mark Madriga and he was telling us how windy it was in Victoria last night. So I'm going to ask you, how windy was it? It was very windy in Victoria last night. The house was shaking. There was a horrible noise at one point, and I went out, and the blue box on the front step and the mailbox had both blown over. So the power, however, did not go out. Thank you, weather. Thank you, BC Hydro. I know they were busy last night. Uh, The other thing I'll have a better sense of, Simi, when I walk to work this morning through Beacon Hill Park. Beacon Hill Park has been taking quite a beating the last few years from windstorms. There's often big trees down. So I hope the park survived. As you know, when the trees in the park get thinned out, the ones that are still standing are even more vulnerable. So that's been the most noticeable thing, apart from power outages. But as I say, we were lucky last night. Uh, We didn't have our power out. The clocks were working. Uh, I woke up uh, with my alarm uh, to to be on with you. (laughs) I am not here in the morning go, oh, my God, there was a windstorm last night. Vaughn's probably still asleep. (laughs) That's good to know. Although I have a feeling you probably wake up. Do you actually wake up with the alarm? Uh, some mornings I wake up before the alarm. Some mornings I wake up with the alarm. It varies. See, I do not wake up with the, I'm always awake before the alarm. Probably in the three years now I've been doing this, uh, maybe four or five times the alarm has gone off. That's really about it. Yeah. Usually for me too. And I'm a worrier. And of course I have to switch the alarm off instantly because otherwise (laughs) Dale will be woken up by the alarm and she won't appreciate it. We are a lot alike. All right, let's talk about what's going on in politics this morning. Lots of talk about health care these days. Yeah, so when we talk about health care, the usual things we end up talking about money and a lot of it. The system is expensive and most of the solutions we talk about, Simi, involve huge injections of cash in a system that's already expensive. I am going to use two examples this morning of reforms that don't really cost anything. They simply involve eliminating bureaucratic obstacles and interprovincial barriers. One has worked very well, and one needs attention quickly, I think. So let's take the positive one first for a change. Um, I know that'll shock the listener if I'm talking about something positive. But um, pharmacy. So uh, there's a good story in the Globe and Mail today by our our colleague, Justine Hunter, uh, works there in Victoria. And she's pointing out what's happened since a bureaucratic change the provincial government made here in BC last October. So Last October, the government made it much easier for pharmacists to renew prescriptions. All it took was really a stroke of the pen decision by the provincial government. And what has happened already is in October, on average, 28,000 prescriptions were being refilled by doctors, by pharmacists, and it better than doubled, 66,000 in December. And Simi, we're only partway through this. Uh, yeah. Full implementation doesn't start till next month. So 
There's a great example of it just really took a stroke of the pen change. You no longer had to go to your family doctor uh, to get your prescription renewed. And even more so, what was happening, Simi, is that people who didn't have a family doctor were clogging the walk-in clinics. There was, you may remember, there was somebody here in Victoria put an ad in the paper basically offering a bribe to any doctor who would renew his wife's medication. So this one is a great example of what worked, and uh, I think it's great, partly because it worked, but also great because it didn't really cost anything. Um, But you remember the arguments against this. The pharmacists had been talking about this for years. They pointed to Alberta, which had been doing it for years. And there was all the pushback here about, oh, well, our pharmacists qualified, and oh, what if they just automatically renew prescriptions and that dries up the cost of pharmacare? There were all sorts of bureaucratic objections. When they cleared the obstacle, it works. And there's a great example. That is a good example. I just can't imagine how much easier that is for people to be able to just go to the pharmacist and get this Yeah, and, and what drove it here really was, I mean, first of all, the pharmacists did a very good job of advertising that they were ready. And eh, there was some grumbling, oh, well, the pharmacists just want to increase their income. No, the pharmacists, you know, whatever the result, want to take pressure off the system. They all knew what it was like to have people come in to the pharmacy and say, I want to get my prescription renewed and I don't have a family doctor and the pharmacist having to say, sorry, my hands are tired, are, are tied. Uh, you're going to have to go to a walk-in clinic or line up and, you know, and people were doing that. But it really was bureaucracy as the obstacle. Pharmacists, again, they pointed out, they're better trained, arguably, at least as well trained as doctors in knowing, you know, which prescriptions are good, which ones are bad, handing out the advice, all that. So it really worked. And congratulations and full praise to the provincial government for finally getting on and doing it. And it's probably going to get even better next month when the full rules kick in and pharmacists are allowed to prescribe for some conditions. Okay, so that's the good stuff. Let's talk about the bad bad stuff. The the bad one astonishes me that it's still a problem. This is a a good piece of work by Graham Wood of, of Glacier News. And he's reporting that doctors coming to British Columbia from other provinces still face red tape getting to practice here. And the example he uses is Aquarius Medical Clinic in Yaletown in Vancouver. They tried to hire a doctor from Alberta last year, and the paperwork was so challenging that uh, it didn't work out. It, It took a lengthy, lengthy process and appeals. Even though this medical doctor was licensed to practice medicine in Alberta and was practicing in the Alberta equivalent of our kind of family care walk-in clinics, right? It's incredible, and yet the story is out there, and the story raises the question, why? Why would it, 
you know, you hear a lot of grumbling in the background about licensing foreign doctors, and there's always an undertone in it that, oh, well, you know, other training systems are a little more primitive than ours, and maybe these doctors aren't qualified, even though, as you know, Simi, in many cases, they are Canadians who got their medical degree overseas and can't come back and practice in their own country. But anyway, that's the theme. But why would somebody who's licensed to practice in Alberta... Well, you know, the answer when you look at it is um, we have national licensing for doctors, but we also have provincial. So you have to jump through two sets of hoops, not one. Now, the Canadian Medical Association said they polled their own members and 95% of their members said we should have one certification process for doctors in Canada and only one. You can practice medicine in Canada. You can practice anywhere in Canada. We have mobility rights guaranteed in the Constitution. We have a national health care legislation designed to protect the system. But uh, what we have right now is, uh, okay, you're practicing medicine in Alberta. Well, we don't know whether those Albertans are up to our standards of medicine. And this is what happens. The provincial regulators insist on going through all the approval processes, essentially duplication. The barriers are starting to come down, Simi. Um, Ontario has announced they're going to reciprocate with other provinces. So you're licensed in Alberta. You're okay in Alberta and vice versa. The maritime provinces are starting to take down barriers to attract people. But We're not there yet. And again, you know, this is something that would only take national regulation. It would not involve any money. But you raise a good point, though. Doctors have to be on board with that. So the BC College of Physicians and Surgeons has to push for that. Well, uh, doctors of BC say they do support this. Uh, But the, the, the legislation is written to create a provincial bureaucracy. And Simi, you go right across Canada been said many times, interprovincial trade barriers in Canada are higher than the trade barriers between Canada and the U.S. in some cases. Provincial jurisdictions are jealously protected, partly for employment reasons, partly for bureaucratic reasons. The College of Physicians and Surgeons will continue to insist on vetting and approving doctors from other provinces as long as it's required by law. So this is a change that would have to take place legislatively. Mm-hmm. And if the national government got the provinces on side with a single national regulation, that would be the way to go. And you and I can probably imagine there'd be a problem with Quebec, because there always is. But even if you had it done, um, made allowances for the language difference, even if you had it done for all other Canadian provinces, right. it would allow doctors to move more easily between provinces. Some provinces wouldn't like that because they might lose their doctors to lovely right. places like British Columbia. Exactly. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.